true. And uh oh, a man's voice. <laughs> That's not supposed to happen. We're like, help! Someone call my <laughs> Um. <laughs> We just keep that. <laughs> it's funny. We, including the man's voice, are oddly curious. <laughs> yes. So, how are you, Drew? I'm good. I don't know why I had to take such deep breaths to be like, so, how are you? Oh, God. Um, let's see. What we were just talking about, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and there is a quote from <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine that actually, like, sums up how life is and it's Boyle and he says life is a party and I'm the pinata <laughs> I mean that's not really how we feel right now but it's just like yeah. that was a deep breath at that for some reason the thing that came to my mind is when Captain Holt is like I feel like I'm floating on a croissant <laughs> <laughs> that's how we should feel yeah forget the pinata I want to float on a croissant yeah live life like you're on a croissant and eating a croissant, a croissant. And I would like to eat a croissant. A croissant. So yes. I went to get a croissant. A croissant. <laughs> Let's go to Paris. Okay. Okay. We're just like creating the longest mm-hmm. list of pe- people, <laughs> places we want to go. <laughs> of people, places, and things to see. Mm-hmm. Yes, we should have like a like a board of like, these are the places we're going in. And eventually it'll just be like every continent. Yeah. Every weird little town. We're going to all the places. All of them. And also, we could like actually record there and have like an interesting story from each place. That'd be so fun. I'm like, hold tight, this is actually going to happen. Let's do it. Um, Other than that, uh oh, did not have a coaster there. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. This table is old. We got it for free. Oh, perfect. It's also wood, and I put a wet thing on it. Yeah, I have had this table since before I got married. Me and Ashley got it for free out of a garage. Oh, (laughs) so it's fine. It's fine. It's holding up really well, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm good. I'm drinking um, something called a, oh, like a spring flower drink, mm-hmm. and it's really good. And it's actually almost gone, but it has dragon fruit in it, and dragon it's fruit delight. is good. I am drinking. I don't know why we always talk about our beverages, but I like it <laughs> because that's important. I think that's the only thing in life that's important. It's right true. Now. I'm drinking um, liquid IV for hydration, yeah. and then for caffeination, I have it's called a buttercup latte, and the guy at the coffee shop told us it's supposed to taste like salted egg yolk, mm. which we are weird and we like savory, salty things like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I like it. It's a uh, we were talking about how it sounds very Chinese. Yes. And I will give it the ultimate Chinese compliment and say, it's not too sweet. It's not too sweet. I know. That's actually how I like things. Mm-hmm. I really like it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Perfect. And spring flowers in your drink, also recommend. Mm, so happy. Um, but before we start this, I just have one question for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which golden girl are you? This is totally segued into something random. Okay. I like it. So... I've thought about this before. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think if you're living and breathing, you have to think about it. And I'm pretty sure I've taken a BuzzFeed quiz about it Oh, same here. Uh Uh-huh. I would say, depending on my mood, I'm probably a little bit Dorothy and a little bit Rose. Oh, that's interesting. I would have given you a little Blanche. Really? I mean, considering... Maybe I am Blanche. 
conversation earlier about what clue <laughs> character you want to be. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know what? I think Drew's right. I'm more Dorothy and Blanche. Yes. I would just like to think I'm a rose, but I don't know that I'm that cute and nice. I mean, which I mean, like that is its own cute thing, but Blanche and Dorothy can be cute and nice sometimes. Yeah. I, wait, first I want to know which one you are. Um, well, I'm Dorothy <laughs> because yeah. we're both tall. And um, one time one of my roommates told me <laughs> after I had been like out of town, she's like, I feel safe when you're home <laughs> because I <laughs> seem scary. I'm not scary. Oh, wait, was it Kate? No, it was Jessica. <laughs> but it was like, the, Blanche literally said that to Dorothy one time. And Jessica's a, a Blanche. That's really funny. Yeah, but I was like, so I can like, like cross my arms and look at him and be like, what are you doing? Get out of here. I don't know. That's funny because I feel like I relate a lot to you and Jessica. And so it makes sense that, that you're Blanche t- and Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I'm also partly Sophia. Oh, I can see that. You're but, like back in Sicily. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's only because um, our personality types are similar. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to counter that and go back to what we were talking about before the podcast. Which clue character do you relate to? Oh, yeah. So I was telling Olivia, I've always been Colonel Mustard. What does that say about me? And why does that also track with the fact that I'm Dorothy? <laughs> <laughs> I probably would love to be Miss Scarlet, but I felt like even as a little girl, I'm like, no, I'll be the the 75 year old Colonel with a mustache. And then meanwhile, I'm like a five year old. I'm like, I want to be Miss Scarlet because she's hot. Yeah. See, even back when I was five, I was like, well, I'm not hot. I'll be the one with the mustache. Which I was like so mad if I was playing a board game and I wasn't like the hot character. Mm. Please don't judge me for the candy Candyland. Candyland, were you the? I I would cry if I didn't get the Queen Frostine card. Oh yeah, and I got you a Queen Frostine <laughs> Funko Pop. <laughs> when I was getting married, she got me a Queen Frostine Funko Pop, and I mm-hmm. still have it. That displayed. makes me so happy. Yeah, I have like the weirdest combination of Funko Pops. I have Queen Frostine, Black Widow, and Gerard Way. <laughs> Actually, I feel like that kind that of says sums so you up. much about me. Like, if you just kind of morphed them into one, suddenly they would be... It's me. Either you, it'd be suddenly they have... They would have Natasha's red hair, mm-hmm. and then it would just be the rest of you. Yeah. Yeah, sparkle emo princess. Yeah. Yeah. My Funko Pops... Oh, no, this is actually funny. I have Ray from Star Wars. Yes. Um, which, that was a gift, which was so nice. And I have Steve Harrington... From. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, from Stranger Things. And I have Bo-Katan from The Mandalorian. It's perfect. <laughs> it is. That's not all. I also have two characters from an anime, and their names are Hanji and Levi, and I love oh, them. Oh, I, I know about Hanji. Yes. Yeah. So I have been trying to find... Uh, and I still haven't been able to find one, a Funko Pop of Jinx from Arcane. Do they have one? I think they do. I haven't seen any in stock. I think it's the game version of Jinx. Oh, okay. Yeah, you need to have you yeah. need to have one. That would really round out that the would personalities round out. of my Funko Pops. Um, there's one that I really want that I probably should not share on here because I feel like not everyone would like it, but I will tell you after. Okay, tell me later. Okay, <laughs> like let's put a pin in that. Make people wonder what it is. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> this is like I think our longest intro it ever, is. but I love it. I love it. And it's really just about Funko Pops and Clue. What um, character are you? <laughs> oh, what Brooklyn Nine Nine character are you? What What did you say about me the other day? I think you said I was a combination of Gina and Terry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because you can be scary, Terry. Uh-huh. You're like, this is taking too long. I need to get to the farmer's market. And I'm like, time for Gina's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says it on the, yeah. Yeah. Time for Olivia's opinion. Or Olivia was right. And then it's just em- <laughs> yeah. embroidered on your back. And you are Jake <laughs> and Captain Holt. Is yes! that what you said? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, why am I always the older man wearing a uniform? <laughs> Not really. I mean... Deep down inside, I'm like, I'm Captain Hull and Colonel Mustard. But also, you said those are your favorites. They are. are. And it's just funny because I'm like, that is who I am. And But also, I'm very, very girly. Like, girly, but with a... An older man twist. <laughs> what does make any sense? <laughs> we should probably be like, we're normal looking, I promise. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm like, for anyone who doesn't know Drew, um, Daisy Ridley is her celebrity doppelganger. <gasps> That's really nice. Her and, um, what's the other chick's name? Jamie Alexander. <gasps> That's also really nice. Thank you. Because they're both very nice looking people. Well, yeah, you're very nice looking. <laughs> Let's see, who are yours? Also, the nice thing about this is if this is too long, Roman can be like, quit yeah. talking. And we're like, hey, if if you don't know who we are, we're just going to keep describing what we look like. Yeah. Olivia, to me, has always looked like, um, oh my gosh, I cannot think of her name. You probably are better at thinking of the name because all of a sudden my brain just like literally, once you said Jamie Alexander, my brain was like blank. Who is that one girl that people always tell you you look like? I get a couple. I get Bryce Dallas Howard. Okay, that was the other one. That's the one I knew of, but there was another. I know you've told me that you think I look like Cheryl Blossom. A little bit. Madeline Mm -hmm. Petch. Petch? Petch, yeah. Yeah. I feel like... This is going to be, like, too much information. (laughs) I feel like I looked more like her when I had an eating disorder. Oh, well, you still kind of look like her now to me. Oh, thank you. Just I think it's the way she acts because I watched the first season of Riverdale mm-hmm. and stopped after that, like everyone else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and every time she would do something, her face would make a face that looked like yours. That's so funny because I feel like it's more people's facial expressions that people will be like, "Oh, you remind me of this character." And I'm like, I don't feel like I look like her at all. Mm-hmm. And then I see them make a facial expression. Yeah. Oh, I see it. But it helps when they're making a face, a facial, a a facial expression, but then they also have red hair and my brain is like, that's Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) But there's literally somebody else and I cannot remember. Um, that's going to bug me. I don't, I'm trying to remember like who you have said in the past, but you also have a Lana Del Rey vibe. (gasps) That's so nice. Yeah. One of our friends does call me Lana. Yes. That's his nickname for me. Yeah. It's called having a Pinterest board of what your friends look like. Look, This is how me and Drew became friends. We're like, this is the character that this person reminds me of. And we just have weird, creepy little conversations about that. Oddly curious. Oddly curious. (laughs) Can you even imagine? Uh, We'll have to think of it because my brain literally is like, I yeah. If, sorry, I can't help you. If you think of it later. I oh, I will. Know. Okay. Oh, I will. <laughs> but this is actually perfect. It ties into my story because of the two people I talk about. I actually talk about. That's true. Their they celebrity look like. lookalikes. Mm-hmm. Not that 
that's pertinent to the story. It's just I felt like if anyone wanted the visual of who I'm describing. I feel like that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes you're like, oh, I, I can't picture what the person looks yeah, like. And yeah. And they could always Google these people. But sometimes people don't necessarily want to see sad things. They just yeah. want to be told them. I don't know. What? Yeah. Anyway. I understand. That's why we're doing this That's why we're doing this. Yeah. But anyway, are you first this time? I think I'm first this time. Okay. So time to jump into this. So I am doing the topic of medicine shows in the American West. And I will get into my, um, I almost said my inspiration. (laughs) My inspiration. (laughs) <laughs> my sources <laughs> I don't know why it just got funnier the more I thought it about did. it did okay so, there's like an old man with a little mustache and he's holding a mysterious bottle and he's like I am your muse <laughs> yes. so I I did get the idea though from listening to um, the maintenance phase podcast and they did oh, yeah. an episode about the origin of snake oil or snake oil salesmen that's that is gonna be awesome. I just downloaded or like subscribed to that podcast tonight, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna check it out. And then my other sources, uh, an article about traveling medicine shows, on uh, culture and communication on dead media, is the website, which is Ooh, a very cool name. That's a cool name. Um, and then patent medicine on legendsofamerica.com patent medicine in the 1800s on owlcation.com and then a article by the code switch podcast on npr.org woo support your local station i know i (laughs) after reading that um article i want to check out that podcast i've never listened to that one me either okay so medicine shows So the origin was, um, they were popular during 1850 to 1930 in the U.S., but before American medicine shows, there was the European, I think it's pronounced Mount Blanc, Mm. which was popularized through Middle Ages and the Renaissance. The main purpose of Mount Blanc's, I don't, I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Is it B-A-N-C? B-A-N-K. Oh, Mount Bank? Mount Bank? That sounds too. American. It sounds too not right. Okay, we're gonna go with Mount Bank. Mount Bank <laughs> was to sell miracle cures, but also to draw people in. They would use forms of commedia dell'arte, a popular form of street theater. And this was also around the time where, um, like, theater and plays mm. were outlawed by the Catholic Church. So this was like the Naturally. way of them getting their entertainment. The Catholic Church is like, we hate everything. I'm sorry, that's not me. <laughs> well, I mean, Roman Catholic. <laughs> We're like, look, look, history says. Yeah, this is history saying it, not me. Not, yeah. Um, they would <clears throat> perform musical and acrobatic feats to draw people in, and they developed a new form of entertainment called Cirque du Soleil. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it does start with a C. Oh. Charlatano, which is where the term charlatan comes oh, from. Interesting. And it means to chatter. And when the Mount Bank entered the U.S., it had a lot of similarities to its European counterpart, and they would perform different acts like 
ventriloquism, hypnotism, and trick shootings, and later to appeal more to the American audience, they would add aspects of minstrel shows such as banjo playing and blackface. Ooh, yeah, lots of red flags. Just banjo playing, good. Banjo playing, good, but paired with the blackface, not good. Not good. No. And around the 1870s is when the medicine show started to shift more towards promoting different remedies and miracle cures. And this was during a time when Western medicine was not very um, advanced and was not doing much for people. Mm. So they were looking for miracle cures or things that they could just buy themselves. And then Eastern and Native medicine was also being appropriated and repackaged to appeal to Westerners. Because Native and Eastern medicine actually is helpful. (laughs) It actually works. But they're like, you know what? We're not going to actually do that. We're just going to use that to sell it. Use it to sell it and also probably not give anyone profits that have originally found this. Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. Oh, you silly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The primary purpose of the show, of course, was to sell medicine, but the job of the performers was to pull people in and make them feel like they had to spend money. Um, There are three stages to the art of the sell. The first one is to draw in the crowd with some promise saying things like, I've come here today to make this a healthy and disease-free community. Stick around and let yourself be healed. I think that's also what Jamba Juice uses to this day. (laughs) But at least Jamba Juice is delicious. It's delicious. (laughs) I'm like, I know what I'm buying. Yes. The second stage is beginning the spiel. Part story and part speech, these spiels were very formulaic. And there is an excerpt from Owen Stratton's book, Medicine Man. The tale about the Quaker remedies was a little more complicated than the one about the mineral water salt. In it, Jim spoke of a botanical garden, the site of which was a little indefinite. Sometimes it was in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and other times it was on the outskirts of Cincinnati. Wherever it was, it was supervised by old Dr. Josiah Baker, oh, <laughs> a Quaker botanist 140 years of age. As hale and hearty as the average man of 40. As hale, hale and hearty? I'm quoting the book. That's what he's it says. He's a Quaker doctor who's hale and hearty. And he's Ooh. 140. Like a bowl of oats. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are very hearty. <clears throat> yes. In his marvelous garden, Dr. Baker raised all the herbs, barks, leaves, gums, and berries from, with, from which the magical remedies were made. The main remedy was Quaker botanical herbs put up in three small cartons contained in a large box. By adding the contents of one carton to eight ounces of alcohol, whiskey, or gin in a quart jar, and then filling the jar with water, the fortunate patient would have a quart of medicine. I want it right now. I know. I'm like, <laughs> if it was... please put it over ice. I'm into this. <laughs> if it was just like gin with herbs, I'd be like, sign me up. That literally is like a bottle of Hendrix gin. And that is a Pretty bajillion much. dollars. I'm like, old Josiah Baker should have just invented Hendrix gin. Yes. But, um... Spoiler alert, I don't think he was real. I don't he does not sound real. <laughs> he does not. He was 140. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, he had all of his teeth? No. I don't believe it. I mean, to be fair, they didn't say that. That's true. <laughs> They're like, you know what? No one has all their teeth. That's so true. And the last part of the presentation was a bait and switch. Throughout the duration of the show, the medicine man would promise to demonstrate whatever he was selling and sometimes pass it around the crowd during the show. People would get so excited that they would buy the product throughout the show, 
And then when it came to the end of the show and it was time to do a demonstration, the medicine man would flee the scene or end the show abruptly without a demonstration. In the rare cases that there was an actual demo, it would be a pre-planned stunt mm-hmm. with a plant in the crowd. Of course. Yeah. But I also just like the visual of him being like, and I'm just going to run off stage. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And um, Let's see. What in the world could that be? <laughs> <laughs> Look over there. Look over there. Uh, Wild West shows were also closely related to the medicine show. And it's going to get worse. Oh. Wild West shows capitalized on displaying the heroism of cowboys and exploiting and exoticizing Native Americans. No. Nope. Don't like good. that. They also exploited the New America folklore by capitalizing on the mysticism of uh, Native American remedies. The most famous example of this was the Kickapoo Indian show. No. I feel like collectively all Native people dislike an eye roll and a sigh. Yeah. They're like, please stop. They're like, please, you already stole our land. Please just don't. <laughs> please don't. Unlike other shows where Americans would be parading around dressed in Native American garb, the Kickapoo Indian show had the idea to incorporate actual Native Americans, which you can imagine were treated very oh, well. Yeah. The medicine show was well known for selling a variety of remedies and patent medicines from the Kickapoo Medicine Company, which of course was... I mean, it was a real company, but had absolutely nothing to do with Native Americans. It was a real company, but was Kickapoo even a real tribe? No, they just uh, liked the name because they thought it was funny. Well, that's the worst name to pick the name of a tribe. (laughs) They're a bunch of jerks. Yeah. Uh, These remedies included salves for skin diseases and Indian worm killer. The worm killer was actually a capsule that was filled with very tightly wound string. So then when you pooped it out... Then it looked like the tablets were working and that a worm had come out in your stool. But in actuality, it was the string. Hmm. Yeah. And no side effects from the string, probably. Uh, probably not, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, it's working. Yeah. Of course, none of the remedies actually had a root in Native American tradition. And I just put this in as a note. Be wary of white folks repackaging other cultures' medicine as miracle cures. Yes. That... Just into modern day. That needs to be embroidered onto a pillow. I I would like that pillow. Yeah. <laughs> or a t-shirt. Yeah. Maybe, what if that's our first merch? <laughs> be Beware wary. of white people. And then in parentheses, because of these reasons. Yeah. And we're like, Sorry. we should know. No. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Um, so this gets us into the interesting territory of patent medicines around this time. So we've talked a little bit about the Kickapoo Medicine mm-hmm. Company patent medicines, and now we're going to get into some crazy ones. Oh, I'm excited. And despite the name patent medicine, these elixirs and tonics were rarely actually patented, but they were propi- oh no, proprietary blends that originated in England and were products under patents of royal favor for the Ooh. royal families. So that's actually where the name patent comes from. I feel like that would have got me back in the day. I'd be like, oh, well, 100%. the royal family likes it. So, <laughs> And then it's like, actually, look at the royal family. And they're not really thriving. How many <laughs> string worms have they eaten? <laughs> have you seen what the royals looked like? There was just a coronation. They're looking, uh... Yeah, and that's modern day. That's modern day. 
I'm sorry, you got me distracted. <laughs> I was thinking about, I'm so sorry. I was thinking about how terrible they looked. Um, one popular medicine was Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup, which was supposed to help crying, colicky babies get to sleep. And it did help them get to sleep because it was a mixture of morphine and alcohol. I would just say it helped them get to sleep, but then suddenly you have a six-year-old who has a drinking problem. Yes. <laughs> Each fluid ounce contained mm-hmm. 65 milligrams of the op- opioid, and side effects were addiction, coma, and death. So yeah, oh. you just like have an addicted like little toddler <laughs> that's like, give me morphine. It's like when um, uh, John Mulaney <laughs> was talking about how he was drinking when he was little. Because yeah. And his dad would come home and be like, what did you do today? And he's like, I'm coloring a dinosaur. <laughs> he's like smoking a cigarette. Oh, oh man. That, they were all like John Mulaney. Drunk then. babies. Probably funny. 100% terrible and sad. Yeah. Also... Sad when, you know, they would slip into a coma and Slip die. into a coma. And it, what is really sad is, okay, they're clearly not feeling good. They have colic. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly their colic is better because they're like, wow, I'm feeling great. Yeah. But, ooh, that's really sad. It is really sad. <laughs> Another popular one was Ergo Apiol, which sounds a lot like Aperol. Mm. Um, it was for female problems, which I like that just catch-all term of female problems. <laughs> Such as irregular menstruation. It was composed of ergot and apiol. And yes, that is ergot, the hallucinogenic fungus. <laughs> the alkaloids produced by the fungus would oh, cause no. convulsions and tremors, making the victims look manic. And then the fungal infection also prevented lactation, caused mm. unintended abortions, and uh, uterine hemorrhage. So it made your female problems worse. That- it actually created female problems. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, well, I should take more of this because I'm having female problems. Oh, no. I'm like, jerks. It's already hard enough being a woman. Uh-huh. And lastly, we have snake oil. Many of you have probably heard the term snake oil salesman. Mm. This is actually somewhat of a misnomer. It automatically draws up an image in your mind of, like, a seedy salesman, a charlatan, someone who isn't trustworthy, but... Thousands of Chinese railway workers were working on the transcontinental railroad in the U.S. And one of the things that they brought with them to the U.S. was snake oil. Because it was very common for workers to be bit by snakes while working on the railroads, these snake oils were made from the Chinese water snake, which were rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And the snake oil was also really helpful for arthritis or bursitis because it reduced inflammation. But... Of course, as America is wont to do, this was seen by some as a money-making opportunity. Mm -hmm. In comes Clark Stanley, a.k.a. the Rattlesnake King. (laughs) Did he give himself that name? Yes. Okay. (laughs) We see what we're working with here. Yes. Um, And he claims that he learned about rattlesnake oil from Hopi medicine men, and he never actually publicly mentioned Chinese snake oil. And here's an excerpt describing how he would make his snake oil, which it's it's kind of sad. Uh oh. Stanley reached into his sack, plucked out a snake. No, a real one. S- yeah, no. Slid it open ah! and plunged it into boiling water. When the fat rose to the top, he skimmed it off and used it on the spot to create Stanley's snake oil, a liniment that was immediately snapped up by the throng that had gathered to watch the spectacle. But the problem 
with Stanley snake oil was that it was not nearly as effective as the Chinese snake oil because the Chinese water snake had three times the amount of the fatty oil that the rattlesnake had. And oh, by the way, Stanley's product probably didn't contain any actual snake oil. <laughs> oh, probably not. Which it also makes me really sad because he's like killing these cute little rattlesnakes for no reason. For no reason, except no. my mom is listening and she's like, cute little rattlesnakes? I don't think so. Yes, Laura, I said they're cute. <laughs> I don't want to come across one, but I still am sad for them. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have come across one because of where I'm from, mm-hmm. but I think they're cute and they have a rattle. Yeah. And they're like, they come hey. with their own percussion. 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 <laughs> um, in 1906, the Pure Drug and Food Act was created to combat all these patent medicines. After seizing a shipment of Stanley snake oil in 1917, federal investigators found that it primarily contained mineral oil, a fatty oil believed to be beef fat, red pepper, and turpentine. And the red pepper, or capsicum, was often used in these fake cures to give a warming, tingling sensation mm-hmm. to make it feel like it was working. And then turpentine was often added for its strong medicinal smell. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Surprise! It didn't actually work. Yeah. Now, to wrap up, I just want to point out that although we have come a long way since then, and some preventative measures like the FDA uh, have come about, there's still a lot of snake oil salesmen to be wary of. And not the good kind, not the not the Chinese snake oil. Not the, the OG kind. Yeah, so we have our modern day snake oil salesmen. I'm looking at you, Dr. Oz, and mm-hmm. people who co-opt and repackage remedies from other cultures. I'm looking at you, Gwyneth Paltrow. And Gwyneth Paltrow, if you're listening. I'm like, that's right, I said it. <laughs> and also just a friendly reminder that supplements are not regulated by the FDA. So Don't just go out and randomly buy supplements. Please consult your doctor first. So maybe just think twice before buying into a trendy new cure. And remember, as one of my favorite podcasts says, a cure-all is a cure-nothing. Ooh, I like that. And that is really wise. I I didn't say it, but I really like it. Yeah, I really like your wisdom in re-saying it from somebody else. (laughs) Thank you. And that is... Medicine shows. Wow. I kind of wish, because, I mean, it's kind of like a a weird pastime of the Old West to see that, like, especially in, like, a show, like, mm-hmm. a movie. If you went back in time, I can imagine watching it like, this is great entertainment. But what's sad is the entire audience is like, this is going to help me. Yeah. And also, they would have, like, different uh, actual medical uh, procedures that they could perform Mm. like a lot of people couldn't afford to go to the dentist at the time so they would just like have people pulling teeth and people would just go and watch people get their teeth removed i mean if you had nothing else to do yeah that would be which honestly when i heard the podcast talk about that the first thing i thought of was fontaine getting her teeth pulled (gasps) out yes I like your thought. Mine went to Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. <laughs> I mean, they're both good. They're both good. Because the very first episode, the, I don't know why I remember this, because I have not really seen very much of that show, mm-hmm. but we do love Jane Seymour. Oh, Jane Seymour's great. Yeah. Um, she was trying, because she was a female doctor, she was in the Old West, no one trusted her because she was a lady, mm-hmm. um, but the, the barber did the teeth pulling in town, and so she had him 
pull a tooth that was healthy, mm-hmm. but just so she could get people's um, trust. Yeah. Like, oh, she got her teeth pulled. All right, we'll trust her. What? Also, isn't it crazy that, like, barbers used to also do, like, dental work and, yeah. like, surgery? They're just like, hey, you handle sharp things. How about you do all these other things, uh-huh. too? He's like, have you thought about bangs? And have you thought about <laughs> getting rid of this getting tooth? Rid of this tooth? <laughs> oh, wow, that was really good. I, I have always found that part of history fascinating, mm-hmm. but it's also very disturbing. Like yeah. all of history, honestly. Pretty much, yeah. I also really like, I didn't know that charlatan was an Italian word. I didn't either. Charlatan. I really like the, um, when people use charlatan, mm-hmm. like as a... Like a, a funny... Yeah. He's think, a charlatan. Like, I think... Was that New Girl? Did Schmidt ever call someone a charlatan? It sounds like it something sounds Schmidt really, Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny. <sighs> and poor snakes. I know. They get such a bad rap because people are so scared of them, but they're just living their life. Yeah. At least, Leave like, them alone. At least with the Chinese railway workers, they were, like, actually using them. And they have for done like it a for good th- thousands of years <laughs> yeah. because they have good medicine. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, which you and I have both been to Taiwan, mm-hmm. not together, which is sad. Someday, I know. adding it to the list. To the pod. Um, but I remember going down this more famous night market. I don't know if you did too, where they eat snakes. Maybe. Um, I went to a couple. Yeah. yeah. And there was one that it's like the restaurant was garnered to snake eating and you could pick the snake you wanted to eat mm. and it was really sad because they were alive and they oh, were no. in their little cages i would probably cry yeah and i mean to them like, like this is just what they do mm-hmm. but i was like <laughs> it's that feeling of when you go into the grocery store as a little girl and you see the lobsters mm-hmm. and you're like but why yeah like i <clears throat> absolutely like if you're used to that and if that is your culture yeah i'm not judging that whatsoever no. it just personally makes me want to cry yeah like picking your own animal before you eat it yeah. which i mean i mean that's how some people eat yeah um it's to me it's different when you hunt it like that's one thing if you yeah. if it's already caught and you have to be like goodbye I know. you're next that makes me sad. I would look at its cute little face and be like, I want you to be my pet. Yeah. You're like, I would like my snake uh, raw and alive and, and, and to, to go. go back. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, like, so many people are probably like, well, if you eat meat, that's just what life is. I'm like, I know. I know that. I'm like, yeah, but some of us are really good at pretending. Really good. And not thinking about it. And not it. thinking about it. And if you tell me oh, look, that animal over there, that's where your meat comes from. I will hate you forever. Yeah. So buckle up for yeah. the hate drain. <laughs> <laughs> the transcontinental hate drain. Yeah. <laughs> it's just full of animals, and we're like, don't even look at it. Yeah, but it's like a happy um, train, not like the sad Dumbo one. I was literally thinking of Dumbo. Yeah, that makes me. Casey Jr. coming round the track. <laughs> okay. Well, um, thank you for your enlightening story. I'm going to do something that's pretty different, mm-hmm. more modern, and um, trigger warning has to do with possible murder or just death in general. Yeah. Um, so I am going to talk about the disappearance of Lizanne Froon and Chris Kremers. And my sources for this story, um, a Ranker article 
by Laura Allen, a medium.com article by Rivy Lyon, a podcast episode, I forgot to write it down, a podcast episode of um, Murder With My Husband, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a fun <laughs> podcast. Murdering With Your Husband is not fun, but that's no. just what it's called. And of course, Wikipedia. Yay. Okay. So on April 1st, 2014, which 2014 does not sound that long ago. It's almost 10 years ago. What is life? It's upsetting. Upsetting. Um, So on April 1st, 2014, two students from the Netherlands, Lizanne Froon and Chris Kremers, went on a hike in Panama uh, with a local dog. They took off with the dog. The dog came back. The young women did not. And a search eventually turned up a severed foot, scattered remains, and nothing else. And authorities had trouble even determining how they died. Mm. So that's, we're starting off strong. We're starting off sad. Sad. (laughs) We're starting off sad. Okay, so let's just get into who these ladies are. So Lizanne Froon, she was tall. She was actually six feet. Um, she was described as aspiring, optimistic, intelligent, and a passionate volleyball player. Probably helped that she was so tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and she graduated with a degree in applied psychology from Deventer, which is in the Netherlands. Um, and then Chris Kremers, she was described as an open, creative, and responsible girl. She had just completed her studies in cultural social education specializing in art education at the University of Utrecht. And um, Lizanne was 22 and Chris was 21, so they're very young. Lizanne was brunette, and um, I wrote on here that she kind of looks like Kate Middleton. Mm -hmm. And then Chris was ginger, so it's like a brunette and a ginger going on vacation. Hopefully our story ends differently than this one. I would hope so. Yeah, Um, and I think she actually looks a little bit like Bindi Irwin. Yeah, I showed you pictures. And yeah, she kind of does. Yeah. And I just, for some reason, I was like, this will help with your visualization. Um, so these girls are good friends. Um, Froon moved in with Kremers um, shortly after her, um, what's it called? Graduation. Wow. <laughs> Where did that word go? Um, into a dorm room in Amersfoort. And they worked together at a cafe restaurant called In Den Klein and Hap. I probably should have looked up what that means, but I'm sure it's something cute, like hometown buffet. I don't know. (laughs) Hometown buffet. (laughs) With the the Dutch version. Um, So they worked there for six months to save money because they wanted to go to Panama together. And this was a special six-week vacation. They were hoping to learn Spanish, and they were hoping to do something significant there, like helping locals or volunteering with children. They were just really sweet they sound really good girls. Sweet. Yes. Yeah. Um, plus, it was a present to Froon for graduating. So it was just like all around, this was a good time. Yeah. All right. So in March 2014, they travel from the Netherlands to Panama. However, a miscommunication led them to arriving in this small mountain town where they were going to stay called Bouquet, Bouquet, Panama. They arrived too early for their program, and um, Chris Kremers noted in her diary that the people there were rude and not at all friendly. She also wrote, tomorrow they will try and get a hold of the head teacher. This is a real disappointment, end quote. And 
this um, entry was dated April 1st, which is the date of their hike. So she wrote this before they left, and it's like, oh, that's sad. So these two women wanted to see as much of Bouquet as possible. They hired a guide to show them around on April 2nd, which is the day after this little hike. Um, but they decided to explore on their own mm. on the 1st around an active volcano um, named Baru. And this is towards the Continental Divide, like if you wanted to look it up on the map. Um, Panama is kind of a like an S shape or like a swirly shape, like mm-hmm. a snake shape. Whoa. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like northern Panama. Okay. Um, so this is a pretty um, heavily wooded, rugged terrain trail, but it's not difficult. And it's said that even if a tourist had gone missing, like it has maybe in the past because people just end up getting lost. Mm-hmm. They have always been found um, either with or without assistance. They find their way home or they will run across a party looking for them. So it's like, it's pretty common. Yeah. If someone goes missing, they're found. Is it like a pretty active trail? Yes. It's, it's called Pianista Trail. And it's like probably the most common trail in this little town. It's okay. very little. It's like three miles. Oh, wow. So it's not huge Mm -mm. they left with only one backpack between them and it was um just i mean it was filled with only a swimsuit sunglasses and a camera because they did not plan on staying out that long Mm because it's a three mile trail yeah um and of course they take a dog with them so this is the host family's dog named azul which is cute some some of the articles said blue but Mm -hmm. we're like well this is panama the dog is azul yeah (laughs) (laughs) so other than the dog um, they went on their hike alone. They, at one point, did ask for directions from a local innkeeper, and the innkeeper actually advised them to take a taxi back to town, which they did not. Mm-hmm. Um, people began to suspect something happened when Azul came back to town without them. No. Yeah. Friends and family stopped receiving phone calls, texts, their Facebooks um, were not updating, and this is just, you know, after they have gone on this pianista trail um so when neither of them turned up the community decided to wait until the next day to contact authorities which i don't know if that was the best um but maybe it's because they didn't have much to go off of yeah so I feel like anytime you're waiting like there's really no reason to wait yeah yeah i guess that's what we've learned with stories like this don't wait yeah if someone if you think someone's missing just go after them mm-hmm so April 2nd, the next day, the pair um, missed their, of course, hired tour guide tour. So that also concerned the tour guide. They were reported missing to the authorities. And the only um, eyewitness account they had of them that day were when they spoke to the innkeeper asking for directions and when they had breakfast that morning, which it turns out they had breakfast with two unidentified men. Mm. Hmm. Red flag. Red flag. I thought you said bread flag. (laughs) Bread flag. (laughs) Which I'm like, well, bread flag's at breakfast. Bread flag would be happy. Red flag is not good. It's not good. Yeah. Um, So an extensive search was organized by the Panamanian authorities with help of locals, native tribes, scent dogs, emergency aircraft, and signal flares. The families of both Froon and Kremers also became concerned because they didn't get a check-in call. On an April 3rd is when they began the aerial search of the forest and on foot. In the days following this 
their disappearances, authorities conducted um, more search, more intense searches. By April 6th, the parents of the women grew frantic and flew to Panama with Dutch detectives. Mm. And then they joined this massive search together. So for a time, um, many suspected that they never even got lost, but were instead of victims of a crime in town, which we'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more okay. later, which a lot of people felt like, okay, you know, that's just stretching too far. They're like, well, that's never been true, is it? Like, proven <laughs> false. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the search efforts moved into the forest where the young women traversed using an on-foot search of several teams and dog units. Investigation lasted for 10 days, but by April 14th, um, this search was scaled down. But they did continue on for 10 weeks, but it just, like, the manpower wasn't there anymore. That's pretty impressive. 10 weeks, though. 10 weeks, yeah. Um, there was a woman from a local tribe, and I didn't, I tried to look up how to pronounce it. I'm going to give it my best shop. Shop? My best <laughs> shot. Um, Nagabe. Um, she found a blue backpack that she claimed was along the bank of a nearby river, and this backpack had sunglasses, a camera, two cell phones, money, two bras, and Froon's passport and a water bottle. Mm. So it's kind of like, well, her passport's there. That's, that's, that's not, a good not a good sign. After finding their phones, authorities now had a lead. They examined the phones, and they unraveled a pretty grim timeline. So again, this has been 10 days. Mm -hmm. Well, over 10 days now. Um the phones, however, remained active for 10 days after they went missing. Oh. What, what does that mean? phone is that? That battery is strong. I know. Unless, is it the battery or is it just like the, the, the signal? signal? I don't know. I don't know. I guess I should have looked into that. I don't know how that works. Um, but during this time, Kremers and Froon repeatedly called for help. Mm. They called... The emergency number for the Netherlands, which is 112, which is really sad because mm -hmm. it's like they're probably panicking. Yeah. They also used um, 911, which is Panama's emergency number. And they made numerous calls um, just a few hours into their hike, in fact. Logs show that they managed to connect only once um, due to poor reception, and this call was um, stable for only two seconds, oh. which is just heartbreaking. That's a nightmare. Like, yeah. Like you're like, Oh, we got it. And it's over. Oh, so, um, after these attempted calls, the phones stayed on for some time. Um, Chris Kremer's phone was locked and it showed that someone entered a wrong pin several times, which we know this from an iPhone standpoint. If you put in the wrong pin, suddenly your phone is locked for yeah. who knows how long. Um, and then her phone was powered on one last time in April. So I guess it was, they would turn it off to conserve power. Okay. That's why it was. Okay. So her phone was last powered on, on April 11th, which again, they went missing on the first. Mm -hmm. Both phones went dead afterwards. Given the timeline, authorities assumed at least one of the women were alive, but by at least five days into the search. Then they turned their attention to the camera that was in the backpack. So the girl's camera showed evidence of what may have happened. More than 100 pictures were on the camera. The first few looked like normal tourist photos with the women smiling together, but eventually the tone of the pictures change. They actually get kind of creepy, and you can look them up online 
um, there's nothing too disturbing, but it is just kind of unnerving to see that. Yeah. And like knowing what happened. Yeah. And the family doesn't really want you to see those either, which is oh, like, we yeah. want to respect their wishes. So photos um, on the camera showed that the girls had hiked beyond the lookout point where most tourists would no- normally go. By 4.39 p.m., they made their first attempt to call emergency services, but reception was too poor. Um, Both phones uh, revealed attempted calls for help several times on the first and more made throughout the following few days. By April 5th, it was apparent that Lizanne's battery was dead and there were 77 failed access attempts on Chris's iPhone, Mm -hmm. which, yeah. I like. I wonder with their theory that maybe one of the girls was alive. If maybe Lizanne was trying to get into Chris's phone. That's what I think too. Yeah. Which makes you think, okay, Chris might have been the one that was injured, mm-hmm. or I mean, has she already died at yeah. this point? Um, so one showed Kremers with what looked like concern on her face. So this is a picture, mm-hmm. um, dated around the time of the emergency calls. After this, the photos were taken from April eighth. Um, and likely snapped in between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. So they had already been missing for quite some time. Mm. But what's really concerning is their camera was found perfectly put in a backpack. Mm. Did somebody else take these pictures? Oh, that's really creepy. Yeah, very creepy. And these pictures were of seemingly random objects, like a stick with a plastic um, bag sticking into it, as well as scenes of foliage canyons and a bridge Hmm. so i don't know experts propose several authorities authorities what am i saying (laughs) experts propose several theories about how and why the women took these photos the arbitrary pictures showed focus as if steady hands took the shots suggesting they were intentional perhaps the photos served as trail markers to help the young women find their way around or back to the rescuers because um, they were dark, they have might have used the camera flash as a light source to scare away animals as well. So they could have been like purposeful or they could have been using the flash mm-hmm. as a light source. But I think if the pictures were steady, I don't think that that would have been the case. Yeah, I feel like if there is an animal, you wouldn't care about like, even taking a picture. You'd probably just be like waving it around. <laughs> yeah. you know? uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Many suggested that neither girls took these photos, but believed that someone who had abducted, abducted them did, which I actually agree with that. Froon's parents requested authorities refrain from releasing all the photos from the camera to the public. Allegedly, some pictures depicted them in a rough state, mm. which is really sad. During a Panama-based TV program broadcast, the newscasters accidentally leaked some photos, and this happened again on a Dutch TV program. That's so annoying. So annoying, yeah. Um, The second show featured a photo focusing on the back of a person's head, which suspected to be Kremers, and the image showed um, injury to her head, so there's blood in her hair. Mm. This leads to speculation about how Kremers suffered an injury during the hike, and that Froon perhaps use the camera for light or to document her last known whereabouts, her friend's last known whereabouts before seeking help, which also explains why there were so many attempts made on Chris's phone Mm -hmm. because Froon's phone had already died. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, uh, Lizanne was trying to, 
I don't know, find a way out of the trail. Maybe she was trying to take pictures of things that would remind her where her yes, friend was. Yes, where her friend was. Yeah. Um, after the discovery of the backpack, the search for the young woman began again, and this time in a different area. Authorities investigated along the Rio Culebra, a.k.a. the Serpent River. What is it with this episode of snakes? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Taylor Swift is sending us a message. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I hope it's also tickets to her show in Tacoma. We're like, please, please. Um, so this, the Serpent River is near the village of Alto Romero. And this was quite far from the trail that they were originally on. But because of where the backpack showed up, they were like, okay, clearly they're not in the same area. Mm-hmm. If this is accurate. Um, so this time with this new search they found something. Kremer's clothing neatly folded and arranged on the river's edge. No. Yeah, which that literally just gives me chills. Like there's no way that your friend would do that. No. Also, is there anything more disturbing than um, a disturbed person neatly folding your clothes? No. No. There's 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 nothing more disturbing than that. No. So, uh, the shorts that were folded appeared zipped and, and folded nicely, like I said. Um, they were placed above the waterline about a half a mile upstream from where the local tribal woman originally found the backpack. Curiously, the garments showed up on the opposite side of the river from where the women took the photos. Mm. And they were okay. not... I mean, it, it could have taken a while for them to be found, so clearly they're dry, but it's just creepy that to go through the river you have to get clothes wet and your clothes are dry i don't know and it is has been a while obviously yeah (laughs) clothes dry 24 hours i'm just saying it's just weird to me it is weird yeah um so two months after discovering this clothing further searches finally turn up some human remains searchers found a shoe behind a tree along the river where the the side where the backpack appeared it contained a sock a fully intact human foot and ankle bones Mm. and there were um there was enough flesh on the foot for dna testing can i just say i Mm -hmm. really hate the word flesh oh yeah yeah it's up there with moist yeah yeah there's another word we were just talking about the other day that was like that flesh moist Uh there's another one i don't know We'll (laughs) we'll think of what it is yeah in addition, I'll think of your uh, celebrity lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> the two very important things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so by the end of August 2014, DNA tests were done and it linked the foot to Lizanne Froon. Mm. Investigators later uncovered more bones and bits of skin, numbering up to 33 skeletal fragments. Oh, my God. They also found bits of Chris Kremer's skin throughout the jungle. No, don't like no. that. No. While the young women were obviously dead, which is unfortunate, um, this does not explain how they died at all. Mm -mm. The bodies were in pieces. They were likely scattered by the river over time, perhaps. They don't know. But all of the evidence was lost. Mm -hmm. There were no marks on the bones to indicate damage. And some of the bones appeared bleached because they had been in the sun so long. Mm -hmm. The only other suggestion of injury of the remnants of Froon's foot, though a broken foot uh, wouldn't have killed her, they found the women, um, though they found, oh my gosh, what am I saying? 
The only other suggestion of injury was these remnants of bones, even though a broken foot would not have killed her. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, Though they, quote unquote, found these women, even though they're in pieces, authorities does not, does not, what am I saying? Authorities do not know how their deaths (laughs) occurred. My brain just broke. It was a hard sentence. I'm like, look, I don't like what's happening to these girls and it's making my brain And it's upsetting us. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Authorities face to st- um, the struggle of trying to determine why and how they died. That actually would be quite a feat. That would make me sad, especially if um, you were the authorities in a country that was so far from where they're from, mm-hmm. and you had like basically Dutch authorities breathing down your neck and the families, mm-hmm. and it's like, could you even imagine? And there's like hardly any evidence. Oh, there's no evidence. Yeah. yeah. Like I do not envy this task. Um, because there could have been someone of foul play, they began looking for people of interest. Um, they tried to figure out if the women had company besides the dog. The innkeeper they spoke to said they were alone and had asked for directions, but that was just it, them and the dog. However, like I said before, the pair met with um, a pair of Dutch men mm-hmm. for breakfast. But despite all this, and I even tried looking into it, there's really no information about these men. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is why, how are they both Dutch? Yeah. Like, does that seem odd? Like, did they somehow know them through school yeah. or something like that? Like, did they already know them? Or is maybe Panama just a really highly Dutch travel destination? Like, they're like, we love Panama. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Nearly a year later, so they went missing in April of 2014. By March 2015, almost a year after um, Kremers and Froon traveled to Panama, the investigators reached their last conclusion. The research into the case suggested that women, that these women most likely suffered some sort of accident along the trail, became lost in the forest. They suggested Froon had fallen a great distance and died from... Um, her injuries either near or in the river, Mm -hmm. which is why maybe her foot was near the river. Um, And this theory was only supported by her foot, (laughs) which is sad. Experts say that the breaks in the ankle and foot could only occur from a fall from a great height. The taken photos showed the date of when the uh, women tried contacting emergency services, likely after Kremer suffered her injury. But in the dark, they couldn't find their way back. Froon died trying to exit the forest, leaving Kremers dead or dying. The remains then decomposed thanks to the river rain ended up scattered miles away. That actually does sound like a reasonable theory. It does. Um, But some people, despite this, they're not so sure. So many people claimed that the Panamanian authorities botched their handling of the case a writer for the Panama paper La Estrella, um, La Estrella. Oh my God! <laughs> you can do it. I can. <clears throat> Thank you, Roman, for all your hard work. <laughs> anyway, this writer of uh, Panama paper La Estrella. Her name is Adela Coriat. She said the whole thing was a mess. She reported that there was no chain of custody established for the recovered evidence or remains. She said that 30 prints found on the backpack 
not only remained unidentified, but none of the indigenous peoples involved with the case had had their prints recorded. <sighs> yeah. She voiced further concern over the investigation of the electronics, saying the condition of the equipment found was inconsistent with the place where it turned up, the lack of damage to the equipment was suspicious, and the police did not investigate this matter, also failed to scrutinize a photo deleted off the camera. <sighs> Which it's like, whoa, why, why would you not look into that? Okay. Um, <clears throat> So the, a lawyer for the Kremers family for the area, his name is Enrique Arocha, he voiced concern about the handling of evidence as well. He claimed there wasn't a forensic investigation conducted at the crime scene. The evidence and its sources remained unverified. And then furthermore, um, still lost are the women's skulls, mm. which may reveal a more definitive cause of death. Because of this evidence mishandling, conspiracy theories run wild, and many suggestions of cover-ups by the police and the government have gained traction. Mm -hmm. Some believe indigenous people of the area may have killed the pair and eaten them, which is really okay. disturbing. I hope that's not true. That also sounds a little racist. A little racist, <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're like, are they indigenous? We're going to blame them. We're going to blame them. Yeah. Um, so they are hiding the crime by turning over evidence and seeming to cooperate, mm -hmm. which I'm like, that's rude. Um, others suggest that the deaths were the work of uh, cartels or organ traffickers, oh God. which is also a little racist. Yeah. <laughs> these, are, <laughs> these are so racist. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, that could explain why the bodies were in pieces, but... Mm. I don't know. I feel like if it was the cartel or like someone who's trying to hide their activity, they wouldn't, why wouldn't they destroy more of the evidence? Evidence, or bury the evidence. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. So there are plentiful, 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 wow, plentiful theories about what happened, um, but one common theme revolves around the government and authorities staying intentionally quiet. But why would they do this? Some experts and others involved in the case say it was done in the name of tourism, I could see that. Yes, mm -hmm. me too. Um, because tourism is probably the main contributor to Panama's economic growth. Mm -hmm. The idea of Panama as dangerous is harmful to tourism, so it's more convenient to conclude the women died from an accident. So, <clears throat> again, Adela Coriat, she explained expressed uh, a similar opinion to this and when she said to the Daily Beast in 2017 she said quote it's a sad fact but serious investigation was never done by the public ministry everything had to be hushed up to protect tourism I want tourists to come to Panama too but the government must also do its job the victims deserve justice and the family deserves to know what really happened end quote so now we're getting to the part of the story that could it have been a killer, like an actual killer mm -hmm. beyond a cartel. Yeah. Between 2009 and 2017, over 24 tourists have gone missing in the area or turned up dead. A revisiting case, a revisiting of the case in 2017 brought up enough evidence to suggest that these disappearances, including those of Froon and Kremers may have been linked to a serial killer. Leaked law enforcement reports suggest someone dismembered the young women and scattered their remains deliberately, 
which might have happened to the others as well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I keep hitting her leg. Okay. <laughs> um, previously, authorities said that the river and the scavengers scattered the remains, but the state in which Bouquet resides, they indicate otherwise. I don't know how to pronounce that. I didn't look it up. Cherokee? Cherokee? Cherokee. Um, that's the name of the state. So the report said that after an 18-month investigation, the evidence pointed to homicide. Pair this with an abundant and unanswered question, such as why the two young women ended up so far from the main trail. Um, some will actually think it was a slaying. Two months after the discovery of the backpack, clothing and bones were finally found. Only two bones, partial of a pelvis bone and a rib bone, were ever linked to Chris Kremers. A total of the 33 scattered human bones being recovered, most were Lausanne Froons. And then, of course, the foot still inside the shoe was the most primary um, form of bone evidence. Mm -hmm. So... What happened to them? I'm not really sure. I could actually see any of the above. That's the part that's confusing and frustrating about this is that I could see it being human involvement. I can see it being a freak accident. Mm -hmm. These girls were strong and smart hikers, so I could see how they wouldn't easily get lost, especially on such a short hike. Yeah, but also, like, I don't know. I feel like even if you're an experienced hiker, you can still just like yes. fall and injure yourself. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I this sounds horrible, but I'm like, I hope it was just an accident and no one murdered them. Like Me it's too. really sad when you have to hope that, but mm-hmm. I for the family's sake, you yes, know, you I, to help them like sleep at night. Yeah, because I could just see be like worried sick the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I will conclude uh, with this. The elements of pianista alone could be responsible for what happened, like mm-hmm. what you said. Um, there's also, in addition to that, there's parasites in the water, mm. dysentery, toxic plants and fruits, venomous animals or insects, as well as starvation. These are all you know, possible uh, causes of death for a hiker. Um, it is possible, that was plausible and possible they both were plausible (laughs) (laughs) that during the 10 days they were presumed alive and lost they just could not find safe food and water to lift off lift off of wow (laughs) (laughs) um it could be that because of this they no longer could think logically Mm -hmm. got injured and then succumbed to their injuries yeah yeah Internet groups continue to research the disappearances, which when I Googled it, I mean, there are so many Reddit articles and I mean, there's a lot of really good theories out there. It's kind of at the point where it's like, yeah, is this helping or hurting the families? Yeah. You know, like unless they're getting a definitive answer, it's really not helping. It's not helping. Yeah. And it says, though authorities can reopen the case anytime, given how many years have passed, no one can unequivocally explain unequivocally not wow (laughs) no one can unequivocally explain how they died in the forests of panama and that is the story of lazanne frune and chris kremers that's so sad i did put in a little hiking facts at the bottom here Mm -hmm. (laughs) um surprisingly in the u.s i didn't look up other countries but there's only four deaths per 100,000 hikers in the united states oh wow which i mean that's not a whole lot i could do the math 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm always like, if you're going to hike, you're going to die. Yeah. I'm just convinced of that. And that's why I don't hike. That's not why I don't hike. I just don't care for hiking. Well, right. I'm like, I, let's be real. <laughs> I actually do like hiking, and but I really liked hiking during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was like the only that makes sense yeah. way I could go outside and like do it with good conscience because you know, people are like, don't go out unnecessarily and I'm like but what if I'm doing it because there's no one else around and I'm going to lose my mind in my house yeah I'm more of a like brisk walk around the park Mm -hmm. kind of a gal yeah which we did meet up for those we did yeah yeah um but we live in an area that really caters to hikers we live in Mm -hmm. a really pretty hiking area yeah um and there's been a few times where I have been hiking and thought this is it I'm gonna die (laughs) I know I think there is if I can't remember if it was you or another friend of ours that said like oh I went for a hike by myself the other day and I'm like never do that again you're gonna die yeah no (laughs) never do that I'm like and if you do die we won't know we won't know (laughs) and that's the the tips I looked up on on safe hiking which all of these girls did yeah they did not do anything wrong and that's the other thing is what you can't control is other people Mm -hmm. that's why I also am leaning towards the fact that it could have been a third yeah mysterious terrible person um but yeah bring food and water mm-hmm. um so don't go alone make sure you have enough daylight to to return to your point of origin mm-hmm. it was a short hike so they could have easily done that the more i think about it the more i think there was foul play but I yeah know. just be careful Sad. out there yeah so anyway um <laughs> back to my list about, uh, roughly about 60 million Americans hike yearly. Mm-hmm. Four deaths per 100,000 hikers. There is a math equation there that I did not figure out. Um, the leading cause of death is traumatic brain injury because of a fall. Mm-hmm. Um, other um, possible reasons for death, drowning, um, or like something induced from like activity, like a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Like sudden cardiac arrest. Um, black bears, other animals. It does say that black bears kill less than one person per year on average in North America. <laughs> less than one person. I don't know Which I'm like, they're like, we killed half a person. <laughs> uh, I put in parentheses, snakes being the animal that kills the most. Sorry, mom. Wow, snakes keep showing up. Snakes and your mom keep showing up. Is my mom Taylor Swift? <laughs> I wish. Give us tickets if you are. Mom, Laura, are you really Taylor are you, are Swift? You secretly Taylor? Please tell us now. Uh, it says, this is funny, but not funny. Men make up 72% of hiking related fatalities. That's probably because they're doing something dumb. <laughs> Which, I mean, like guys will be the first to admit they will do stuff dumb yeah i mean there's like literally a meme of like this is why women live longer and there's a man (laughs) who's like standing on something that's attached to something that's barely holding on to something yeah yeah uh and last but not least north cascades national park which is a national park near us Mm -hmm. the most deaths happen there out of every national park. 652 deaths per 10 million visitors. So just let that keep you warm at night. And you're like, I won't I, go there. I am safe and warm because I won't be hiking. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny because I literally was super close to this place like a few weeks ago. But anyway, I, that's it. 
I just have to tell a quick hiking-related story. Yeah. Um, so I can see how people can fall easily on hikes because yeah. I think it was, I don't remember what year it was, but uh, one of our friends, uh, Kendra, I'm going to call you out, <laughs> she really wanted to go hiking New Year's Day. Oh, and right. I remember when you did this. <laughs> we were driving there, and it started, like, snowing like crazy. Mm. And thankfully, we were, like, pretty bundled up. But um, the hike took, like, I don't know, I want to say, like, four or five hours. And it was kind of like a difficult hike anyway, but then it was completely covered in snow. And mm. then the boots I was wearing didn't really have traction. And I I actually fell quite a few times, but mostly just, like, on my butt or on my knees. Yeah. But one time I fell... And I, like, almost rolled off the side of a cliff. Oh, no. And I was like, this is how I go. <laughs> this podcast would be very different if that happened. I, it wouldn't have me. I would be like, this is me by myself. Boy, I wish I had a podcast friend. And you're like, and I'm telling the story of how my friend Olivia <laughs> oh, passed away. It would be so sad. <laughs> <sighs> Except that I feel like I, because that also happened to me. I was not in snow, but I was on the, like, a seaside cliff because mm-hmm. we were going on a crazy hike and I told someone I think I almost died and they're like well you know what's not a good hike until you almost die I don't think that's a good uh, catchphrase for something I don't know (laughs) I don't want to do anything and be like it's not good if you unless you almost die which is why we go to Disneyland and not Six Flags exactly sorry Six Flags certainly not Action Park oh yeah we're like (laughs) call back call call back to New Jersey in 1980. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, that's that. That is my story. That was... Um, I really hope, I hope, 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 because crazier things have happened as far as like DNA testing, mm-hmm. evidence. There's not much to go off of, but I really hope we find some sort of evidence that can help Lizanne so and Chris's families. I hope so too, and I hope it's... I hope it's not that someone killed them. Yeah. I really do. That's That would be the best. If it yeah. was... I mean, it's sad when you're like, I just hope it was an accident. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I want to know more about Azul. He sounds cute. I know. I really hope that Azul tried to get them help. I imagine a dog would see girls in trouble and be like, I will go get you help. Yeah. He, he was a good boy. And that the people were like, why is this dog... What is he trying to tell us? And he's like, follow me. Yeah. That, um, I... Unless Azul was the killer. <laughs> <laughs> he would never. He would never. We already know him. We're like, he's a good boy. He is a good boy. Um, also, I just like full of stories today. But do you remember when I was in Taiwan and I texted you? I was like going on a hike, not by myself. Um, oh, yeah. At a waterfall. And there was this sweet dog. There was like a a food stand kind of in the middle of the trail. And there was this cute dog that followed me all the way up the trail. And then he followed me all the way back down and then uh, took a nap by me while I was eating. He was the sweetest boy. Is it because he was hoping for a little snack? I don't think so. I think he he gets a lot of snacks because his owner was like the vendor. Oh, yeah. So I think he gets a lot of snacks. That's cute. I love that. That was my favorite part of Taiwan was all the little dogs I befriended. Mm-hmm. And cats. There's oh my cats gosh, too. yes. Lots of cats. I know. I want, like, everything should just be more like Taiwan. I just really like that we have both been to Taiwan and we're like, this is the best place. It is actually the best place. It is the best place. And 
I love that like all the food vendors and like pretty much any shop you go into, people just like have their dog or cat there, mm-hmm. and it's usually and they're just a corgi, and they usually have <laughs> the best haircut you've ever seen. Ever seen, unlike the barber in the 1800s who was also pulling your teeth. Yeah, he. he How's wishes. that for a callback? <laughs> that was a good. Callback. That was yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm reaching. It's um, ten o'clock. And I have an hour drive home, so now I'm like, we should, we should wrap it up. But at the same time, up. I'm like, let's tell another story. And people have just like slowly turned off this podcast. We're like, <laughs> we know. <laughs> We're like, welcome back to which office character are you? Oh, oh I'm Jim. Mm, probably. I don't, I don't know. Like, Maybe I'm not. I feel like I'm Karen. Oh, yeah. Oh. I like Karen. I'm sorry. I never... I don't really like Jim and Pam, but they had a a toxic relationship. They did, and they're kind of like that couple that you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're the worst. They think yeah. they're so cute, and they're so annoying. They do get better, just like anyone. But... Yeah. I always I liked Karen. She was like the only chill one. On the show. Well, yeah, because she's amazing. Because she's Rashida Jones. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was trying to think of her character from Parks and Rec. Anne. Anne. Mm-hmm. Anne Perkins. Anne Perkins, you beautiful, beautiful tropical fish. Tropical fish. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, on that note, um, um, uh, please, <laughs> uh, if you follow us. Oh, by the way, we need to plug our Instagram. Oh, yeah. Please follow us on Instagram. It is, our Instagram is at oddly curious underscore podcast. Because Oddly Curious is already taken. Yeah. And also, please comment and say which Golden Girl, mm-hmm. Clue character, or Office character you are. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And really, whatever you want to tell us. Yeah, please tell us, tell us all us. the things. I really want to know. Like, just tell us the fictional character you're the most like. That's my favorite <gasps> question to ask anyone. Anyone. And usually, minor people are like, I'm worried about you. And when I ask a lot of people, they'll be like, I've never thought about that. And I just think I cannot relate to you. I'm like, I have only been thinking that. This is my way of coping with yeah, life. Maybe, because <laughs> I, I remember watching Sesame Street and being like, am I, am I Grover? <laughs> that explains why I like you. Grover was my favorite. Really? Yeah. Because I was just like, he was anxious, but he was doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Unlike Telly. Yeah. Which is funny. We have a friend named Telly. I know. I was like, not that Telly. But do you that remember Telly's Telly? Cute. Yeah. Telly the monster. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd like to think I'm Elmo, but I don't know if I am. Oh. Elmo's so cute. So cute. I like that he just has no time for Rocco. Hello, Rocco. He's like, he's a rock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were we trying to wrap this up? I forgot. We okay. Okay. On that note. <laughs> Please, please be careful when you're hiking. And uh, be wary of snake oil salesmen unless they actually have the Chinese water snake balm. Yeah, do your research. Yeah, please do your research. And stay hydrated. And don't listen to Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, you're right. Yeah. And And good night. Good night. (laughs) 